0: Let's see if this is working. It is! Bonus session, Sunday. Here we go. We're going to open the gates of the kingdom of God, and there are elements to this that apply to us now and forever. Often the idea of the kingdom of God, or uh, when we're going to get to to God's kingdom, is the eternal, getting into heaven, getting to that final stage and and so as we're reading scripture we can all often just insert that idea into whatever uh, we're looking at the passage that we're looking at and it may not at all be related to what's happening after we die and some of it does but not always so we can begin walking in the kingdom of God today and we can enjoy what God has in mind for us now. And it prepares the way for what is coming when we enter the eternal and the gates of the kingdom are open. And that's a whole new experience. But it, it begins now. We wind up there. And we're going to talk about that. And put starting from out there, and then we're going to come back to here. So, opening the gates of God's kingdom. So, we're talking about a marvelous place. It's, a, it's also a position that we have and a privilege that we experience because of what God has done. What, what Jesus has done in coming, what God has done in all creation, what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and through us, and He's working all of those things out. And He is pouring into us, preparing us to be the most magnificent people and it is his dream, his desire to see that happen in us and for us. He, he's bringing all of that about. So he's invited us to be part of his kingdom. We have uh, some indication of what it is like in heaven. And in heaven, God rules. God rules, and the the beings that are there, heavenly beings, the angelic beings, are Responsive to him, they listen to him, they interact with him, and that 's god 's kingdom. God is working out his purposes, his will, his way, and, and in that place, and usually, when you start talking about heaven, you are describing something that is far beyond this place where we live on on the planet, even on a gorgeous spring day with everything coming green and blossoming, blooming. And you think of heaven, you go, yeah, it's just so much more than what we experience here. And we just go through that in our minds of the perfections and the beauty. And it's, it, it just becomes a breathtaking kind of scene. And yet we can put that on the back burner and say, nah, God's kingdom, my kingdom, my running, my thing, my way, his way. What if God's will like it is in heaven, is done on earth. seems like there's a prayer to that effect. So, this is, this is us in, a, in Revelation chapter 4, because the, the heading probably in your Bible right above Revelation chapter 4 is, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Verse 1, Then as I looked, this is John, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice... I had heard before, spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven, and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like jasper and carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass. Sparkling like crystal, in the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day, And night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. And that gives us an idea of something that's out there uh, that is beyond this realm, beyond the earthly realm. Beings described like we don't see. And an experience that John is is invited into, and he's told to come and take notes, which is how we have this. He's told to write down what you see, what you hear, and pass it on. So he is keeping track of those things that God has, entered, has asked him to enter into, and he is giving us a clue as to what it looks like in heaven. So you get from this that it's possible to move through a door from here on earth, into heaven, this other realm, this other dimension, and see the things that God has in store. And that's what's occurred. But there's an there's a interaction, an interchange. That's part of what we get to uh, be invited into, and that God has more to show us, more about heaven, more about how we live on earth that's available to us when we're walking and entering into and connecting with the kingdom of God. He has more that he wants us to know because he has more for us to live. And to get us there, he has to move us out of our earthly thinking of just being trapped in in this world and the way that we perceive things here. We need to move past that, just like John did, invited through the door, you go, well, that's probably the only time that happened and probably the only interaction. I go, no, there's, there's more. We know Paul went, Second Corinthians 12, he goes, he doesn't give us a, a great deal of a description in that, in 2 Corinthians, but you pick it up in the other letters he wrote. Because of his experience, he's able to give us insights into what it's like in the spiritual realm beyond this, beyond this earthly one that we are so familiar with. But we have in uh, Daniel, the book of Daniel, an experience Daniel has, and he has more than one, but this, this is in, in chapter 10. And he begins to explain a being that he meets, and he's getting information about things that are happening and, and that are coming. But the description gives us an idea of something other Something otherly, something not like us, not like our normal experience. And he gives a date. This is so cool the way this, this is put together in Daniel. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing, And he's got a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze. His voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing. But they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there alone to see this amazing vision my strength left me my face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak then I heard the man speak and when I heard the sound of his voice I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground just then a hand touched me and lifted me still trembling to my hands and knees and the man said to me Daniel you are very precious to God so listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Yeah, wow. So there's an interaction between what's in heaven, the spiritual dimension, and what's on earth. Daniel is experiencing that at the Tigris River on April 23rd, and he is interacting with a heavenly being. So there's an unfolding, and there's the, the back and forth that's going on. And I tell you that because we have the opportunity to enter into the kingdom in our lives every day, and we every day can see more and more of God and see more and more of what He has in mind for us, for, for the future, for those around us, for our world. There's a grand entrance, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. He says, so, dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and and you will never fall away. Then, verse 11, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's going to open that door. It's going to happen. Things are going to start unfolding. And he says, do these things. He gives a list in the earlier part of the chapter. But there's so much that God wants us to experience. And he wants us to experience that kingdom now to prepare for the kingdom that is to come. And he says, do these things. And this door is going to be wide. It's going to open up for you a grand entrance for you to come into this kingdom. So, this is a key verse for today. Hebrews 9, chapter 9, verse 27. Each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. Each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. We've got this life to live. We have a chance to... uh, Walk with God, enter into the kingdom now, and then prepare for the judgment. So that gets us to... We'll come back to that. That's a terrible L. Anyway... We're going to live life. Everybody gets this whole, this, this applies to everybody. There will be an end. It may be the end that our bodies just quit or Jesus comes back, but there's an end. But according to Hebrews 9, 27, everyone is going to die once. There is no reincarnation. There's no extra chances. There's one shot. We live this life, end. Then the judgment. The discerning, the wise, the, and I put that in, quotation marks, because they will say, well, we just got one life, live it with all the gusto you can, eat, drink, and be merry, because this is it, and we live this one life, so we better get everything, squeeze everything we can out of it, get everything we can. And then the end comes, and they forget the next part, the judgment. So the judgment is the thing that is waiting for each individual and everybody Uh, each person will stand before the Lord and give an account of all they've done in the body, whether good or bad, Romans 5.10. They will, everyone, face the Lord, everyone will give an account, everyone will talk about their good and bad. So that is just in general, every human being for all time, that's coming. Now it's different, there's a variety of these, which is where we're going to start dividing this up. But we're going to talk about the judgment real quick. And and the judgment for believers. So that's a different uh, scenario. So the those who know Jesus, there's a, an entrance after the end, entering into heaven. The entering into heaven part is unbelievably amazing. So we got John just going straight to heaven. He didn't have uh, moments where he's facing God and uh, all of the things he had done wrong, said wrong, bad attitudes, whatever he had in his life, were not the first thing he encountered, right? He goes to heaven, he sees the throne, he sees the, the emerald rainbow, he's seeing the creatures in front of the throne, he is just taken by just how incredibly beautiful and wonderful heaven is. And that's what happens with people when they enter in to the presence of the Lord. And they will meet with Jesus. They will have an opportunity to, to uh, be welcomed. So the judgment is waiting, but it begins with, you get to be welcomed. If you're a believer, you're a son or a daughter of the living God. You are part of the family. You are welcomed home. So there's the welcom- welcoming aspect of that. And there is, for those who have walked with the Lord and been seeking God's kingdom, who have listened to the Lord's commands, who have loved the Lord with all their heart, they enter into this with Jesus smiling, with Jesus wrapping his arms around them and and bringing them into this glorious place where he can uh, pour out more of his grace on them and show them around and and introduce them to more people than they can you know, imagine because it's now the, from the earliest from Abraham and David, and we've got history plus our own families, own friends, and we get to connect with everybody, which is a, it's just amazing what all can unfold in, in, in that place. There's a great crowd of witnesses waiting to see each one of you. There's a great crowd of witnesses praying, standing by you, talking to the Lord about you, encouraging uh, from their place your walk with the Lord so that you will do well. So there's, there's a whole bunch of people who can't wait for you to show up. So there's a positive welcoming and excitement and joy in that moment. For those who have Come to the Lord, accepted Him, taken advantage of grace, and been given life, eternal life, and they're made a new cre- creation. They are new in Christ, but they decided to keep the old life. They decided to live their own way and to hang on to their old habits and just do what they have always done, thinking the way they've always thought. And they come into the presence of the Lord. They are welcomed. And he is still receiving them, but his eyes are on fire because he is looking into their soul and into their history, and he is discerning all that they have brought with them. And that begins to penetrate them. And then they are very aware, no longer arrogant. Nobody stands before the Lord with their junk. Nobody comes up with an excuse. There are no excuses he does not know because he knows everything about everyone. There are no explanations because he knows every situation and every circumstance, and no one can bring one up that says, But I was, no, not before him. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he's Lord, and they will acknowledge him, and they will acknowledge their failure, their sin their arrogance, their ego, their demands, and they will no longer hold those things precious because it all goes out with one look of his eye. And they are now facing a terrible thing. Hebrews tells us it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that judgment begins with God's people. And often we're we're told it's just, you know, it's just an old grandfatherly kind of a moment. You just come into heaven, you just shut your eyes, and he pats you on the head. No, not for those who decide not to walk with him. They'll make it, but it's going to be a tough one. There's a judgment. And the judge is thorough. The judge has all knowledge. He knows what the standard is, and he is himself the standard. perfection. Jesus is perfect. Lived a perfect life. He knows what it's like to live a perfect life on this planet with people who don't like you. He lived it. Our excuses don't work. He is the judge who knows us. He knew us before the world was founded. He knows Our lives, he knows what we chose to do, why we chose it. He knows what our attitudes have been. He knows every word we've spoken. And we will be held accountable for each one. So we're brought before him, and he has absolutely complete knowledge. So all the laws, all the rules, all the situations, all the conditions, he knows them all. So when we're brought into judgment, there is no mistake. There's nothing missing, there's nothing that, is, that he doesn't know, and he will bring about justice exactly as it ought to be brought about, because he is in himself just. So he will bring all of those things to bear, and he will bring it for us, for each one of us. And we are brought into this heavenly place with all the beauty, with all this magnificence. And the living God sitting on the throne, heavenly beings all around. And he wants us to enter into his father's house where he has prepared a place for us. And he wants us to be able to come in and enjoy that and enjoy the life that is laid out before us. And we have the opportunity to prepare, to prepare for that place. We make As human beings, and if you're a parent, we make a bigger deal about a kid preparing to graduate from high school than we do preparing them to enter into heaven. Tell me that ain't so. We want to make sure the grades are there, they show up for class, they take the right classes each year. And in those 18 years, how much time do we spend making sure they are prepared and God Himself is saying, "I want my people prepared, all of them, prepared for that that moment when the end will come, whatever time frame that may be, young or old, whatever that end is. I want you to be ready because judgment is coming." And we have uh, an opportunity to enter into this thing. That is, it's just amazing. Um, okay, Second Corinthians five ten. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. And it all comes down to this connection with Jesus, who is, who is our foundation. And everything in life, let me put that up there, because that would matter. There's certain things in our worldview, the way we look at the world around us, that has to do with uh some, some basic things. So here's some basic basic things. Is there a supreme being? Is there a supernatural? Is there a spiritual versus the material? We talked about this that this morning. Some people don't think there's anything beyond the physical, the material. That's it. That's the the extent of it. So what do we do with this? Well, there is no God. Uh, it's invented. And people come up with all kinds of things. So you know all the explanations on that. What do we do with existence? Are we real or are we a fixation of our minds? Have we imagined? There are all kinds of philosophies that, and religions that will follow those kinds of thinking. So our, our ideas about existence itself is foundational. It's a basic what we think about God, what we think about existence plays a part in ethics. Ethics is how we, how we view the world in terms of morality, how we, what's good and bad, how we view our, our uh, relationships with other people, what we do, what we say. Is it wrong to, to rob a quick trip? In some people's minds, not so much. Why is it wrong, if it is wrong? That's ethics. What do we do with ethics? How do we how do we determine what's right and wrong? How do we determine what kind of clothing to wear? Back, uh, Jonathan Edwards was a pastor in the early 1700s, and he was the the preacher who was speaking with when the Great Awakening takes place. And later, his church didn't didn't want him around anymore, and he, asked, he, had a, he had a number of children, but also it was during the time when they wore those white wigs. Remember that? So he wore a white wig. He goes to the elders of the church and said, you know, could I have a raise, get a little more money, got to feed the kids. And they had a garden and they did all that kind of stuff, but you know, a little more money to feed the kids. And I need another wig. They fired him. This is the guy who was there when the Great Awakening started. So, doesn't seem right. But here's another, why was he wearing that wig? Where did that thing come from? What's the right style of clothing for a clergyman or for people who are Christians? And what clothing, because you guys aren't wearing anything near what his congregation did. So, ethically, you guys have a problem. How do we know what's right? How do we know what's wrong? Ethics, where do we get it? How do we determine that? Well, it just is. Not so much. You've come up with yours based on some history, some input from your culture, each generation if I talk to somebody 20, 30 years older than me, they're going to have a different view of how this world works. You, you, those people could talk to the group above them 20 or 30 years and go, wow, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, you know, they think, and, and you go in their house and they have all the doodads and the kind of furniture. Oh, David, you just took a picture of a house that was filled with, and they go, that's very dated. Why? Why? Why would that be dated? Why wouldn't that be, you go, no, things change, and the attitudes change, and we adapt. But what are the real ethics? What are the things that really matter? What are the lasting things? Where do we get those? God, existence, ethics, what, we're, what we believe. Oh, we need a purpose. Why are we here? So, purpose. Purpose. If we go back to being parents, the main purpose is kids need to be happy. I'm just warning you, don't take that one to Jesus on that day when he welcomes you into heaven. Because that will not go well. Well, it's to get a good education so they can get a good job so they'll get good money and they can pay all their bills. Don't take that one to Jesus on that day. But I guarantee you, that's been a push, hasn't it? That is not what he said to do. So why do we make a false purpose the purpose for life on this planet and make the things that aren't really major, majors? We're going to stand before the living God. We're going to explain some things. Well, we won't explain much. But he will point them out for us. And the things that we think are so big will fail to even enter the conversation, except in another way. So, let's look at this one. And if we say that as one of our excuses, well, I didn't know. And we tell the Lord, well, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize the ethics. And I didn't, you know, I really didn't. Ta- I was busy. I had projects. I didn't have time to explore these things. And the God of heaven will say, why didn't you know? I gave you opportunity. I provided you with a book. I gave you teachers. You weren't interested. So let's talk. Well. It's impossible. If you knew my situation, I can't keep up with all. It just just doesn't fit who I am. That's not my personality. That's not my interest. That's my, it's just impossible for me. And God will remind them, all things are possible with God. So no, no excuses, no reasonings. And then we come to 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward but if the work is burned up the builder will suffer great loss the builder will be saved the builder will be saved but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames so here's jesus offering us a new life a new way of living with power with resources and he says come follow me and we have the choice to acknowledge him What do we see as existence? What is the reality of the cosmos? Do we see it as he sees it? Or do we determine it based on our own feelings? Or the science books around us? Or however we come up with that. Ethics, what's right, wrong? How do we choose which one? The one we like, the one we don't like? Or do we go with what he says? And our purpose? His purpose? Or the one we come up with on our own? No one can lay any foundation other than one we already have, Jesus Christ. We begin with him, what he has said, we begin there. All of these things have to fall under or on that foundation. It's his view, his perspective, his power, his direction and what he has said and how we fit into that. Anyone who builds on that foundation can use all these different materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But then they go through the fire on judgment day. So judgment day is coming. There's that whole welcome, welcoming part of this, but there's another judgment, and this is that one described in 1 Corinthians 3. When that one unfolds, then all, the, all of us will have an opportunity to be before the Lord, and all the things that we have done are brought before Him. Just imagine all the things, all those that you've forgotten, those things, all that you've you pushed out of your mind, those things. Bad attitudes, good attitudes, giving secretly, or making a big deal to get attention, all of it. Jesus says, let me tell you something. When you pray, don't make a big thing. Don't stand on the street corner. Go into your closet. Go into your private place and go spend time with the Father. He sees you. He will hear you right there. Go there. If you're giving, don't make a big deal so you get attention. Just give. Just be generous. Make sure it's really quiet. So, when we stand before the Lord on this day, he said, let's talk, and we'll bring all that out. And all those times when he said, you know, I need more, I need accolades, I need, no, I'm not satisfied, this, isn't, this doesn't make me happy, yeah, let's talk. What is it about you? What is it about you that you think is, is an excuse for not having done what I've asked you to do in life? about the kingdom and when we get into this position over here there's we move into this direction we're moving into something that takes us uh, into the heavenlies there are remedial classes for those who have struggled or rebelled i mean the lord's letting them in remember the builder will be saved but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames they're in and jesus has prepared a place for them in his father's house so they'll come into this place and they will get an opportunity to live there. Is it equal? Is it a communist system in heaven where everybody's equal? It's not really that equal and communist either, but no, that's not how this works. We just read where those who have invested themselves, building on the foundation with gold, silver, and jewels, that's going to last. Those rewards are different than those who have those burned up whole different experience and there's a lot of time coming with no end and he is in charge always and he is leading people into a better relationship with God a better connection with the kingdom God's rule God's will God's way being worked out and that will take some time so some people are going to have to go to classes learn some of that others get Maybe some advanced theology. Some of them get uh, advanced cosmology. Maybe some of them move into some other areas of using their gifts that God gives them in ways in the universe that we haven't been exposed to yet. And it's all waiting. All waiting for us to come through that. What we know is if we don't live life right the way he said to live it on this side, When we get to this side, it gets pretty intense. So 2,000 years, we've had Jesus as the foundation. And some have gotten this, some haven't. All those who believed in Jesus entered in over here. I think it's gone well for some, not so good for others. They made it through the flames. That's it. It was so important to Jesus that he comes... The Son of God comes to earth, and he goes around telling about this, so the kingdom of God on earth. So Jesus traveled, Matthew four twenty three. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. So the good news is not the, as we typically put it together, the word gospel means good news. So that's, that's what that word is, but it's often inserted, the good news of the gospel. But that's the good news of the good news. So that's kind of limiting. Did he come to talk about the good news of salvation? No, because he hasn't died on a cross and risen on the third day yet. So that's not it. What did he come to proclaim? The kingdom. The kingdom. Living on this earth to prepare every person for this. He came to proclaim there's something great. Follow me. Listen to me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Follow me. Come this way. Enter into the judgment. That's Matthew 4. So Matthew 6, two chapters later. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. You know that one. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. In case you missed that. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. So... How are you doing on that? You know that verse. So last week, last week, was that your week? Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Let's go back to materialist from this morning. I ain't believing it. I don't believe He will give me everything. I need, therefore I'm not going to seek the kingdom. I'm going to work on my kingdom and provide for myself. I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, but I'm thinking that's pretty much a majority. So, what has Jesus come to earth to proclaim? This is his ministry. It's about the kingdom. How do we get in the kingdom? What's going to be the thing that opens that grand entrance to the kingdom of God how do we get to that eternal kingdom where we go through the judgment everybody dies once and the judgment how do we get through that and then we enter into this time when he's going to look at everything we've done and we said well I really didn't have time to seek your kingdom because I really didn't think you'd give me what I needed I just want you to rattle that in your head just a second And imagine standing before Jesus with his nail scarred hands and telling him, You got to work on your kingdom because you didn't think he was trustworthy enough to take care of the things in your life. And when he says, Seek first his kingdom, what do you think he meant? What do you think he'll mean on this day? And if you think you can get around this day, don't do it. But I guarantee you, you will not. And when you meet him, the thing you want to be able to do is have him smile, give you a hug, and say, Welcome. Because you did seek first the kingdom. That's where you want to go, that's what's waiting with all those different beings, with all the different opportunities, with all of heaven ahead. And you can experiencing, experience all of that now. It's just entering into his presence, entering into his way of living, practicing his philosophy of life, practicing his kind of ethics, understanding his purpose, making those things priority, making it more difficult for the enemy to get hold of, of your life and what you're doing and allowing the Spirit of God to work in you and through you, transforming you and preparing you for this because on this side of this, oh, it gets good. It gets really good. So here's the division for life of how this works. This part's quick. All humanity comes through this way. So, people. They have to decide. Humans are not divided into races, so we're really not that divided in terms of black and white and all those things, or even gender, because we are people created by God. So, there are those who believe That's the dividing line. There are believers and there are those who are not. That divides humanity. Those who believe are moving in another direction from those who do not. Those who believe hit another spot. there's a group believers who love God and obey they're going to be moving into the heavenlies as we talked about earlier everybody's going to be welcomed, everybody's getting into heaven this group's busy, they're working on their personal kingdom, they're not so much sold on this yeah, seriously lower. Well, uh, and it will be lower for the future. Two things kind of come to my mind. On the believer
1: side, the busyness personal, it's not my fault. You know, it's a worldly thing. And then the next thing that kind of comes to my mind is if you don't have time for Jesus now, or uh,
0: Jesus is God now, what if it makes you think you have time for Him in heaven? I mean, you know. Oh, you'll have time.
1: Well, yeah, well, yeah but I mean, they're going yeah. to really regret
0: it. Yes, they will. And that's, that's the reality. And you've run into people who go, well, I'm a Christian, and they have a fish on their business card and painted on the side of their truck, and then they just rip you off. And you go, how can you be a Christian and do that? Yep. Still getting in. But they're not a Christian. Well, yeah, they are. They're just a bad one. And we don't want to be that guy Yeah, there may be, but this is talking about the real ones. Then, these guys, they are not going to heaven because they don't want to go to heaven. They don't want anything. They're just happy their little lives. So you run into people and you go, you don't even believe in Jesus, but you're a philanthropist, you help people out, you're really good, you're honest at work, they're very moral. They don't believe in Jesus, but they're moral, they're good, solid people. But then there are those who are the evildoers who murder and steal and carry go to extremes on that level, and... uh, it's a mixture of those things, but sometimes people can say, well that guy doesn't even believe in Jesus, and yet he's he's a better guy than this guy. you go, yeah, probably so. doesn't mean he's getting in because he doesn't believe in Jesus. What's the dividing line in case you've ever wavered on this because people do got to believe in Jesus this is not that is that isn't that it' is. this gets they get to stand before the Lord too. They're good and bad. All of that is brought up. God is just. All the justice will be brought out. That's in chapter 20 of Revelation is the white throne judgment. That's this group, not this group. 1 Corinthians 3 is this group. Different judgments. And there's some other aspects of judgment that fit in there too. But we can't do that because before long you guys will be ready for a nap and we can't cover all of it. So, Practice living God's way every day. Think about that kingdom. It's His kingdom. We're invited into it. It is a privilege to be invited into it. He wants to provide us with the power to live it. We've got the resources. We've got the scripture. He wants us to make those decisions based on loving Him, obeying Him, following those commands, and enjoying the fullness of the kingdom. He wants to bring the kingdom to us. And when you read through the Gospels, you see this is what happens when the kingdom shows up. And their lives are radically changed. So we want more of the radically changed, which gets us all ready for the ultimate when we cross that line and we enter into heaven. And that day may come sooner or later, but we get to enjoy the kingdom every day. It's just an opportunity we have every day. And then it just it just keeps getting better. So any. Questions? Any other? Steve, anything else?
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you take that another level further on over, the busy personal person that's a believer, he's going to be with God on a lower tier, like like with the talents. You remember the talents that weren't very faithful with him? Can will be down to like at a lower, I'm just, I don't know how to say it other than maybe he sweeps the floors like a janitor. And the other guy,
0: Something like that.
1: I mean, I don't know how else to describe
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be different. Yeah. Certainly, certainly going to make a difference in the way, the outcome. And all in heaven, which is all good. Right, right. But definitely would rather hear from the Lord here than here on all of that. Anything else? Go ahead and video this, David. Just her. <laughs> turn it yeah, I'll turn the camera. <laughs> you did what? <laughs>